2: and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi 2024. Great to be with you. Got the gang all back together. Brian Haydad had last week off uh, following Christmas and a little New Year break. He is back. Michael Borky was back last week after having the week before off leading into uh, Christmas break. We're glad to all be with you as we roll into a new year in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. I would imagine that the last couple of days have been fantastic inside the sports book, a lot of chance for you to be involved in the action and a great place to watch games. Check them out in person. It's uh the sports book inside the Golden Moon and of course you can uh, learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Uh New Year same way for you to get in touch with us. Seaspire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Seaspire's got you covered. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet service, or the best in business IT services, check them out online, cspire.com. C Seaspire customer inspired. We have a national championship game set. It will happen in Houston, Texas in six days, a matchup between the Washington Huskies and the Michigan Wolverines. I think, if I remember correctly, all three of us thought that the matchup in the championship was game was going to be a rematch from week two when Alabama and Texas played, and I remember at some point in the lead-up to that, we all were like, but what if it was completely the opposite of that? What if Michigan beats Alabama? And what if Washington beats Texas? That's exactly what happened, and that's the national championship game that we have one week from last night. Here's hoping that it ends before midnight. Here's hoping.
1: Maybe it I mean, will. be the last college won. football game of the season. I mean, I, I, I'll take as much, drag it out as long as we can. we can make it drag all the way out to August, we'd be doing great. I
3: love, by the way, the phenomenon that always happens when NFL people uh, tune into college football for the first time every year. The amount of college football media that were like, wow, I'm glad we're getting some football game mixed in with the commercials. It was like, guys, we do this all year. (laughs) Like, You have no idea. This is nothing. I didn't even think twice about the commercial load last night. You guys are whining like crazy. Welcome to college football. And yet...
2: The NFL still gets those games in in three hours and 15 minutes, and something's a little bit different with the, with the college game. It was funny. I was sitting watching the, uh, the Rose Bowl with a buddy of mine last night, and it went commercial break, kickoff, commercial break. I was like, well, they're behind on commercials. There was a producer that said, we got to jam in another break after this. We're going to break right after the kickoff. <laughs> he was saying that into Chris Fowler's ear, and that's exactly what they did. We'll talk about yesterday's games and we will do that in great detail. But first, we've got to go back to Saturday, uh, December the 30th, in what was the final game of the year for the Ole Miss football team. They were playing in the Chick fil A Peach Bowl in Atlanta against uh, number 10 Penn State. It was number 11 Ole Miss, number 10 Penn State, a pair of 10 and 2 teams. And as we talked about over the last couple of weeks leading up to that game, it was a, a game between teams who had lost to the two best teams on their schedule. For Penn State, they had lost to Michigan. They had lost to Ohio State in the regular season. For Ole Miss, they had lost to Alabama and to Georgia. And uh, it had a little bit of a clunky start for Ole Miss. They went three and out on their first offensive possession, and then Penn State methodically moved it down the field, largely with the ground, uh, the ground game, only to decide once they got in the 10-yard line that it was time to throw the football. Turned out to be a mistake. Ole Miss held Penn State to a field goal on the opening drive, and then the Rebels kind of got things going offensively. The the first quarter was kind of a slog, but once you got into the second quarter, and really from, I don't know, maybe five minutes or so left in the first quarter until about the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter, Ole Miss... Absolutely dominated that football game every possible way you could dominate it.
3: Which, if you'd have told anybody after the first two possessions, like you mentioned, that that happened, they probably wouldn't have believed you. Penn State, in the first two possessions of the game, mind you, whooped Ole Miss. They whooped them in the first two possessions of the game. Penn State. Not whipped, hey dad, but whooped. Whooped.
0: They <laughs> whooped They whooped them. Different.
3: They, they, uh, they really did. I mean, Ole Miss's offensive. Uh, Penn State. Blitzed, I think on every single play of the game, like all of them. Uh, I mean, they came out of the gate aggressive in Ole Miss's offensive line. I mean, Dark got hurt on the first play, which was a design run, but after that it was right in his face, right in his face, quick three and out, and then ran the football right down Ole Miss's throat down the field, and I thought, ooh, there's a physical mismatch here. And then some adjustments were made. Ole Miss got a little bit bigger defensively, made some personnel adjustments, stacked the box, and dared Allard to beat him. And guess what? He couldn't. And uh, offensively, they got the ball out of darts' hands quicker, and Ole Miss was better at quarterback, and they were better at the skill positions, and they they alleviated those issues and kind of ran Penn State out of the stadium for a while.
2: You said design run for Dart on the first play, and, and maybe it was. I actually had a different thought watching that opening series for Ole Miss. And when it was all said and done, Jackson Dart played a phenomenal football game, maybe the best game that he's played in his time at Ole Miss. He is the only quarterback in Ole Miss history with three hundred yards, uh, 350 yards passing in a bowl game, and he's now done it twice. In each of the last two bowl games, he's gone for over 350 But, Borky, I thought that first play of the game was a read option, and I thought he made the wrong read. I thought he should have handed it off to Judkins on that play. There was room for Judkins to get to the outside. Not much. It was a three-yard loss. And then on the second play, which was a passing play, Judkins was kind of the safety valve to the right side out of the backfield and was wide open over on the Penn State sideline. Jackson Dart instead went over the middle for uh, an incomplete pass, trying to get it to Dayton Wade, and then there was an incompletion. So Ole Miss went three and out on its first drive. It took 45 seconds off the clock, and then they punted the ball away to Penn State. Now listen to the way the first Penn State drive of the game started. Run for zero yards with a penalty on Penn State's first play. So they got first and 20. Incomplete pass. They've got second and 20. Then they got it going on the ground. Singleton for 18 yards. Singleton for nine yards. Incomplete pass. Um, Allen had a five yard run. 24 yard run. Incomplete pass. Back to the ground. Six yard run. They get down to the Ole Miss 9. And then Ultimate. I mean, incomplete passes were the only thing that slowed Penn State on that opening drive, other than the holding call. But they got down inside the 10, 15 yard line. Decided to throw the ball. Had no success doing it. And I thought that was a big win for the Ole Miss defense on that opening drive to hold Penn State for a uh, for a field goal. After Heydard, they had been like gashed
1: on the ground. Gashed. Gashed is definitely the word. Four of us in our group text, we were watching the game. We all use the word gash within 60 seconds of each other. Like they're gashing them. I've never seen it like that. And then yes, to to get a field goal there, and you hit on it it's like. It's something that coaches do that drives me crazy all the time. It's like you ran the ball all the way down there, so now inside the ten, let's t- let's start throwing the football. Really poor coaching there by James Franklin. But that's not to be that's not to be surprised by James Franklin in a big game. Not exactly the uh, the, the the best guy you want on there on, on the sidelines. I thought Ole Miss did a good job of making some adjustments. Um, I thought their offensive game plan was very good. I don't have the biggest TV in the world, but. It's big enough, and yet every time I saw Caden Preescorn, there was never a Penn State guy in the picture with him. He was <laughs> wide open every single time Ole Miss threw him the football. And then with Trey Harris, just a superior athlete, one of the best receivers in the country this year. I mean, look, at there's one right there if you're watching on Super Talk TV. There's nobody within five yards of Caden Preescorn when he catches that football. Uh, so Ole Miss did a great job of scheming him open all night. I thought what the most interesting thing to me was, you mentioned at the start of the game, Penn State is just running the football right down Ole Miss's throat. By the end of the game, it had switched and Ole Miss and Judkins were just getting whatever they wanted and were able to, 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 to kill off any rally, uh, hope for Penn State. I said it when the line came out that the wrong team was favored. I, I thought Ole Miss would win this game and win it easily. And that's exactly what they did. And a really good win and a great way to, to cap a, a historic season for the Rebels. Eleven wins,
2: the most wins in school history. Yes, the schedule has changed over the years. There were a, a lot of times where there were only ten games in the regular season, or maybe only nine games in the regular season, and then there was a bowl game where you only played a total of ten or eleven. Um, but significant nonetheless, and a ton of momentum. I'll be interested to see where Ole Miss is when the final poll comes out. You know, are they gonna are they gonna have Ole Miss ahead of Florida State, or is one loss Florida State gonna kind of stay in front of Ole Miss? I feel like because of where Missouri has been, they probably will stay in front of Ole Miss in the final poll. Well, we'll see where it all shakes out, but they're going to finish somewhere between 6 and 8, I think, when it is all said and done. Definitely ahead of Ohio State yeah. and Penn
3: State, I would say. Yes. Yeah. So at worst, they'll be 9. At worst. At worst. Um.
2: And we'll see. And it doesn't really matter other than when people start doing their preseason poll, they will pull up the final poll from the previous year. Like, okay, where did everybody finish and who's got what coming back? So um, we'll see. almost going to be in a good spot, though, going into 2024. Let's talk about the numbers from this game when we come back, because I think there's some significant ones. We're back after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio
0: nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports sports talk mississippi covering your favorite teams like no one else on the supertalk app supertalk.fm and on your local supertalk mississippi radio station
3: It
2: was funny, on Saturday in Atlanta, I looked up, I I had stat broadcast pulled up on my phone to kind of keep up with some of the numbers as the the game was playing out and just kind of curious about how things were going. And I hadn't really looked at Quinshawn Judkins' rushing numbers, and it was about midway through the third quarter. And at that point, I looked, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that Quinshawn Judkins had gone for, I think, 110 yards at that point. Or a hundred yards at that point. It was a quiet hundred yards, I thought, for Quinshawn Judkins. Um it was not so much of a, a quiet passing day though for uh, for Jackson Dart. So let's look at some of the individual numbers in in this ball game. Um I'll start well, I say that. I'll talk about the way that it played out. Penn State takes the early three nothing lead. Ole Miss answers with a 36-yard field goal from Caden Davis. And you remember, that was following the consecutive offsides gaffes by the officials. The first one was a touchdown that was taken off the board. Penn State jumped. They blew the play dead. Nobody could hear the whistle. By the way, I, I, we talked about it last week. That is a loud loud stadium. Uh, nobody hear the whistle. They take a shot to the end zone. Touchdown would have been for Caden Freeskorn. Wiped off the board. They said unabated to the quarterback, and so they blew it dead. It was a five-yard
3: penalty. TV ref did not defend refs on the field, by the way. You don't see that very often, but they brought in the rules expert, and he said, no, you have got to let that go. Old Miss is justifiably furious about that. You don't blow it dead there, is what the T V ref said.
2: And so it would have been a touchdown, it would have made it, you know, with the extra point seven to three. And then on the very next play, Penn State jumps into the neutral zone. Ole Miss thinks they've got a free shot, throw it down the field incomplete, no flag and no whistle. And now Lane Kiffin is like losing his mind. You know, what what happened? Why didn't they throw the
1: flag there? And, and on that one if it's not, if they're not offsides, it's intentional grounding because he just throws the ball. There's nobody in the picture where, where the ball lands. That it should have been. It's got to be one penalty or the other. So you're not going to believe this. You, you really aren't. But refs suck. Not one thing that's not going to change in 2024 is that.
2: Ole Miss settles for the 36 yard field goal from uh, Caden Davis. They tied at three. Uh, Ole Miss. Gets a touchdown before the end of the first quarter. The first of a couple of touchdown passes to Caden scoring to make it 10-3. Penn State answers with their first drive of the second quarter. They tie it at 10. Ole Miss kicks a field goal to go up 13-10. They score a touchdown to go up 20-10. And at that point, it really felt like Ole Miss was in control of the game. But Penn State, to their credit, they had a big answer. And they go down and they get a touchdown before the half to make it 20-17. And I said to a couple of people at, at halftime because you know everybody's doing the uh, what do you think? It was like I think Ole Miss is in a great spot. They've got a lead at halftime. They are clearly the better team. They had a touchdown wiped off the board, and Penn State's biggest play was a ball that was batted at least once, if not twice, at the line of scrimmage. And number forty-four, their tight end, made an incredible like just reach out with his left hand and snatch it out of the air, and then there's nobody around him, and he rumbles 75 yards and had really good blocking downfield to get it all the way down inside the five-yard
3: line. Yeah, I mean, it was a great play for Penn State. Aller got so lucky, so lucky on that play. I mean, that that could have ended the game in the first half had that gone the way it should have gone. And it just, that, that tight end, by the way, NFL guy. Penn State had NFL guys
0: all
1: yeah,
3: over player. the field, all over the field.
1: That was a not good not, Drew Alar, not Drew Allar though not not him no, not Drew he's Alar. not an NFL. If you are a person who's like, hey, I don't like to buy into recruiting rankings. Drew Allard is your Exhibit A. That was the number one quarterback in America come out of high school. He's mediocre at absolute best.
2: As, I saw somebody point out that a kid from Columbus, Ohio, who is five star and number one in the country that doesn't go to Ohio State, maybe that should tell you something. Because if they love that something. kid, he's not getting away.
3: Yeah, criticized Ryan Day for a lot. Quarterback development clearly not one of his uh, no his issues. I, I I did see some people doing the whole. And if you know me, you know I hate the overrated chant. The concept of that to begin with, because why do you want the team you just beat to be overrated? That makes no yeah, sense no, yeah, at it makes all. No sense. But the, I thought Penn State's defense was good, buddy. It is. It's really good. And, yes, they were without Chop, who barely played this year, frankly, and they were without a couple of defensive backs. But that defense has NFL guys all over it. Abdul Carter is a superstar. I mean, that that, that size, speed, ratio. Is he available
2: in the transfer portal? Uh, because because I know <laughs> I know of at least one team that would uh would be
3: willing to jump into the sweepstakes. I mean that guy's a freak, man, and, and uh, that that's but that's the difference in that game. It's an oversimplification, but I, I think Penn State was better than Ole Miss in the trenches. I, I think Penn State was uh, de- defensively absolutely as good as advertised. Ole Miss was better coached. Ole Miss had better skill players, and most importantly, Ole Miss had the better quarterback. There's your ball game, and, and a better game plan.
2: Which falls into the better coach, yeah. right? I mean, Ole Miss's offensive game plan was really, really good. Uh, they got a lot of one-on-ones with Trey Harris, and I feel like every time they got Trey Harris one-on-one, they took advantage of it. Priest Korn got a lot of one-on-one matchups that were complete mismatches. And to hey Dad's point a second ago,
1: one-on-nine um, matchups.
2: <laughs> yeah, which is which is an even bigger mismatch. If you can That's get one-on-one, a big mismatch, it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, yeah. Quinshawn Judkins finishes with 106 on the ground on 34 carries. He only averages three yards a carry. But I thought in the second and third quarter he was really, really important because that was the part of the game where after some lost yardage plays in the run game and some no-game plays in the run game, they started to kind of establish something where they were get, getting five yards, six yards. They'd rip off a 12-yard run to move the sticks, and, and he had some big plays. His longest run in the game was 18 yards. Um it was I I just thought he was solid. He he didn't take over the game but but I did think he was an important piece. Jackson Dark goes 25 of 40 for 379 with three touchdowns, no interceptions. Hey Borky, I agree with what you said about Penn State being better in the trenches. But he was only sacked one time. And this was the team that led the country in sacks. Total sacks they led the country in sacks per game. They were averaging four
3: per game, and they just—they never got to him. No, he—he he did, and they did a good job of protection, especially considering Pettis obviously didn't play, and then Victor Curran got hurt. So I mean, your backup tackle was not available, so they had to do some shuffling around. But getting the ball out of his hands quick, and and he's really good at evading pressure uh, in the pocket as well. It's it's the thing that he's been probably best at. And it's like a an unsung thing, but he is really good at avoiding sacks and, and evading pressure, but got the ball out of his hands quick and just let the aforementioned Harris and Priestcorn just make plays. And, and they did that over and over and over again. That is something that when you watch a Lane Kiffin coached team, you see things like a tight end being wide open five times in the game, and you think that it's just such an intricate scheme that – that's all Lane Kiffin does is every play is just so creative. Not always. Sometimes it's like Trey Harris is better than the guy guarding him. So, hey, Jackson, throw it to him. Just get the ball out quick, get it to Harris. And then they can't stop it. So just go do it again. And just do it again. And then do it again. And do it again. It's he can call complex stuff to fool a defense, and then sometimes he sees a mismatch and just exploits it to death. Hey, then it's the clip that Penn time. State did, right?
1: Yeah, I say it all the time, like coaches are are so Happy to get away from what's working. It drives me insane. Kiffin is the opposite of that. If, if you, if Kiffin sees he's got a, a play that's working, he will absolutely run it until you stop it. Whereas with Penn State, like you said, that first drive, they're just getting huge yardage on the running game. And then when it gets to the point where, okay, it's time to score a touchdown, let's throw it with our mediocre quarterback three times in a row. <laughs> All
2: this
1: was. <laughs> Olmstead was. He's awful. I mean, I, I could not believe he was fi- a five star. I looked at his recruiting profiles like, no way, no way.
2: Olvis was three for three on fourth down. Um, was the throw to Jackson Dart a fourth down play? Yes. Yeah. It was, it was okay. That was it was fourth and two. There it is, right there. And they go direct snap end around Jackson Dart leaks out of the backfield. And he's open, and he stumbles for a fifteen-yard reception. If he doesn't stumble, it's probably a bigger play. I don't think he's going to the end zone, but but regardless. And then the other two fourth-down plays were JJ Pegues' big boy picks up the first down, and then like pirouette backpedals for eight yards when they needed a yard or two. And I'll be honest, the last fourth down that Ole Miss went for it on there, I was like, eh. Kick the field goal. They go for it, and that's when he finds um, Judkins, leaks out of the backfield, and he dives for the end zone for a touchdown as well. Really creative play calling on fourth downs for Ole Miss in this game. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: All right. I'm going to let you guys decide which direction we should go here. Should we talk? Big picture, Peach Bowl Stadium atmosphere, game day, just kind of what everybody experienced, and save some of what James Franklin had to say after the game for winners and losers to begin the 4 o'clock hour? Or does that deserve its own segment right now, and do you want to hear word for word what James Franklin
3: said in some of his postgame quotes? Let, let's keep it positive, because there, there's another high profile college football coach that also said some really loser stuff after their bowl loss. Hey Dad, who could that be? And so who could Michael Borky be referring to? i can't I can't imagine I, I mean, couldn't be bothered to try because recruiting Dad, to yeah, be well, you if
2: you're not gonna talk about it you can't talk about it now.
3: so I think I think we should like set those to where we spend a long time like even separately from winners and losers. you know what I mean? Okay. So you were there, Peach Bowl. I I talked to some buddies that were there. They thought everything about the venue and all that, like the the food prices and stuff even stood out to them. Like, had a great time. Of course, the team winning the game helps, but they're not the storyteller like you are. So how was it? It was spectacular. It It was really, really
2: good. Um 71,230. The game officially was sold out. There were some empty seats in the the upper reaches of the upper deck, at least on the Penn State side. I never could see on the Ole Miss side because that's the side we were sitting on, and I didn't go to the effort of walking to the other side of the stadium to look back across. Maybe I should have done that, but I didn't. Um, It was. um, We stayed at the Omni, which was the, the team hotel, and when you're in a bowl setting, the team hotel is always going to be like a hub of activity. But it's really neat to see. That's a, that's a fun environment. I, I mean, it, it's it's no different. You know, re- regardless of the bowl game, regardless of the city, you, you're, the team hotel is going to be a neat spot. And so that was cool. But as you kind of branched out from there, there were lots of people. We went to uh, we went to the aquarium on Friday night. Took the kids and. They had branded that as like Peach Bowl Night at the Aquarium, and I thought, you know, oh, okay, it's going to be like a party. It was a zoo. Maybe a zoo is not the right way to describe the aquarium, but there were so many people that were there, and they kind had like a pep a rally.
1: Yeah, kind got of. Got animals.
2: It's like an aqua zoo. Um, yeah. It, it said there was going to be a pep rally there at 7 o'clock, and we got there at like 5.15, and the kids had kind of done their thing, and it was super crowded And there was no evidence that there was going to actually be like a pep rally with band and cheerleaders and all that good stuff. And so we finally bailed. And then we found out that right after we left, the band came in, and, you know, you get the whole cool band playing inside of. So anyway, uh, a lot of people enjoyed that. Uh, We went to World of Coke also on Friday night. That is a really, really cool setup. Uh, I don't know if you guys have, have ever done that with your kids before or not. Um, I would I would recommend it. It's it's something that in the past I've kind of been like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I care about that. But they've got the tasting room and the vault and all the history of Coca. You've been there, hey, Dad?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, big fan. Yeah, in a uh, yes, yeah, any any place where I can go stand in a room and just drink Coca Cola and not have to pay for it, I I would have done. I used to do that. Uh, it Used to be a problem for me.
2: My uh, my favorite was Frances. She liked the blue Coke. Now, some people call that Powerade. She would hear none of it. We were at World of Coke, and she liked the Blue Coke. And so...
1: Did you try the, did you try the Beverly? It was. Did I try the what? The Beverly?
2: So my mom is Beverly, and she was with us. Okay. And Frances discovered the Beverly, and so she brought it out specifically for my mom, and my mom was like, oh, thanks. And everybody kind of smelled it, and they were like, "There's a lot going on there." And I, I tasted <laughs> yeah. it, and I said it, it it tasted like botanical licorice. That was the way I described it. Yeah, um, that's a
1: good description, actually.
2: Uh, the the Beverly not ever making it to the shelves, I don't think, as a Coca-Cola product, felt like a wise corporate decision by the uh, the good folks at, at Coke. Yeah,
1: it was. I think it's it was, big in France. Is it? Which I can believe. So, yeah, yeah sure. Awful. Why not? God,
2: it's really bad. That um, so was kind of leading up, and then and then game day itself was was really cool. Um, yeah, early start, easy walk over to the stadium. I. It's hard in a venue like that to go. Oh, the crowd split was this sixty forty. I think, Borky. I don't know what your buddies said. You know, in somewhere terms of around crowd breakdown. Penn State had a really, really good crowd there, but there were more. I mean, you could even tell, like, in, from sections and the way that it was laid out, there were more Ole Miss sections that were full, and it was basically, you know, from, you know, one end zone all the way to the other, and from where we were sitting, like on the left end zone, it kind of went over to the far corner. And that's like where they had the students. So, if you've ever watched an Atlanta United game, the tall end zone where they put all yeah. that was where the Ole Miss students were, and then it wrapped all the way around the side and then to about the goalpost on the other end. And you that could was see all, it on TV.
3: It was you could hear it on TV, too. Maybe it was just a natural sound mic, but buddy, it was so much more noticeable when good things would happen for Ole Miss than Penn State uh, on noise level through the TV. I thought even early in the game that the Penn State crowd was not as
2: loud as I thought it was going to be. Hey, Dad, you were out last week. Borky and I were talking about this because Borky made some disparaging marks about Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't know if he's changed or not. I I don't think
3: aesthetically. I'm not talking about the venue and and the amenities and all that. I think from field level it's not as good-looking as other newly built dome stadiums recently. That's all I'm talking about. I'm sure it's an incredible venue. From the field level, aesthetically, there has been more attractive stadiums built recently. It's got that Falcons taint on it. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like...
2: (laughs) Okay, maybe that's the angle there. Uh, I I will say, from a fan perspective, it's a great building. Um, Everybody coming into the building at roughly the same time for a noon Eastern kickoff, it was crowded getting in. Like, Like... Getting through the security on the outside wasn't so bad, but once you got into the stadium, kind of navigating your way to your section, that took a little while. Um, the point that I was going to make, we talked about it last week, I was saying I had been there you know, for a couple of SEC championship games. It is it is a loud stadium. Um, in fact, Frances, our, our little one at one point, about, I don't know, about the end of the first quarter, she was sitting in her seat with her hands over her ears, like, Saying that her ears hurt, that it was so loud. Um, so, as good all the way around. I, I thought, and I don't think this has always been done, but once the game, like the the shift of momentum for the game happened, the people that were in charge of the venue kind of went with it. I think if Penn State had taken the lead. Some of the songs that you got during timeouts would have been more Penn State-centric, like they play in their stadium. But they played Love is Gone in one of the deals. And so, like, you know, think the baseball version of that where people do the arm motions. You had that with, you know, 35,000 people going. And that was kind of cool in one of the breaks. I guess it was a commercial break. Um, What's the... What's the Mississippi song they play that Ole Miss plays at all of its games? Throw it up. Yeah, yeah. So they they played Throw It Up at one point, and people went nuts when that was going on. And they played Sweet Caroline, which I think should be retired forever and ever and ever, Amen. But people respond well to
3: that song in, in big group settings. And you could hear you could hear that through the TV too. And just another reminder, because baseball season's not too far around the corner, the NCAA actively stops that from happening in their postseason. They prevent that from happening.
2: <sighs>
3: yeah.
2: Um, so I, I give the experience high marks all the way around. We get some of your messages coming in on the C Spire text line as well. Uh, Dean and Lusedale, my family and I were there. Electric atmosphere, one of the best college of vo- football events I've ever been to. Great venue. Uh, somebody said their club level experience was, uh, was great. Um, (laughs) this message. No, I've never, I've never done. Oh, I I was going to read that one. No, I've never done coke with my kids. What kind of a parent do you think I am? (laughs) Well, apparently you're a good parent.
3: I should cut that just perfectly. You guys
2: ever done coke with with your family? Uh, Mike says his only issue (laughs) with the building was the waterless urinals. Okay. Those are those are kind of those are kind of all the rage now because it's a greener setup. You know, you use less water and.
1: Yeah. I bet it is greener.
3: Speaking of the 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 shot that that took at the Falcons earlier, was it Dejon Anthony that during his press conference said that he was the last one out of the locker room because he was just sitting and taking in the fact that he was sitting in the Atlanta Falcons locker room getting ready to play a game, and I thought. Get him out of there as fast as possible. Ole Miss is going to (laughs) lose. He can't be hanging around the Falcons too much. Uh, Somebody says
2: the brisket, mac, and cheese was as good as the game. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. That does sound good.
2: Glad glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Shane says, question, why did they pick a play-by-play guy that
3: refused to call us Ole Miss? But he calls them the Rebels. Help me understand that. He refuses uh, to say Ole Miss, uh, but he calls them the Rebels. Help me.
2: You know, man, it's it's Mark Jones being Mark Jones. That's fine. I,
3: I, I had somebody that like was
2: really frustrated with that but thought otherwise the broadcast was fine. I, I don't know. I haven't gone back
3: and watched it yet. I'm, I'm going to at some point. There's a couple things you won't like about it. Missed a lot of plays because of features. Uh, Yeah, you're right. And i did poetry. Like-
0: This is Sports Talk. This Sports Talk. Mississippi. woo I say, sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Balloon whales, still cool. Whale shark, glad I had never run into one of those in the wild.
3: Oh, they're friendly though. Well, good. Yeah, they they somehow get that size eating microscopic krill. Yeah, they're they're not hunters or killers or anything. They're they're gentle ocean giants. Mm,
1: good to know. Better not eat any krill then.
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I would
2: not get in the Very way of whatever it is that's high want
1: fat.
2: To eat. Yeah. True. Um. So, yeah, all-around good experience. Uh, we got a message from a, a guy that said that uh, had a great experience, said he ran into me at the aquarium. Uh, I will say this. I had several people just throughout the course of the weekend that I had not met before who spoke, um, had nice things to say about the show, and and on behalf of all of us, thank you for that. it's. I'll be honest, like completely honest. Sometimes it's a little weird. You're like, who? Me? But it's always gratifying to hear somebody that you've not met before call you by name and take the time to say, hey, just wanted to say hi, wanted to introduce myself, You know, love listening to you guys, appreciate that. It's really gratifying. And so whether it was this weekend or, hey, Dad, other than when you tried to come and sit with him in the press box, that was maybe a bridge too far. That, that guy might have taken it just a little bit too far. Um, but well, too otherwise, far. it's really cool, and we do appreciate it. And frankly,
3: Borky, yes. did you ever find the date for sure? So I think that it might yeah, right. even be earlier. Because on that date, you were responding to people about, hey, please do a Saints segment here. And you're like, yeah, coming up. So, this- so so
2: the, the sports talk show in the afternoon on Super Talk Mississippi started on January 2nd. I cannot remember if it was 2011 or 2012. And anyway, so this is either the beginning of year 13 or 12 or 14. Or I, I I'm not doing the math, whatever. It's been a long time. It's really, really fun. We have a great time with it. Obviously, this iteration of the show... I think all three of us have more fun than we've ever had. And thankfully, it's growing and and getting better. The point that I was making in there is even though we've been doing this for a long time, it's still a little humbling to have somebody go, Hey, man, I listen to the show all the time. I'm like, Yeah, thanks. Like, we really appreciate that. And it's like, it's nice to know we're not just like talking into the ether sometimes. Anyway. I mean, do you ever have that thought like I mean, hey, we do this for 3 hours and yeah. like people text. I mean, I know they listen, but when somebody just yeah. like random is like, "Hey man, I listen to you all the time or I'm in the car from, you know, 4:30 to 5:15 every day and I anyway, we we appreciate it very much.
3: It's different seeing somebody say it through a screen versus seeing that person
1: in real life for sure. Right. Getting a handshake and all that, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Um Any other big-picture thoughts from Peach Bowl? I mean, a lot of this is, like, what it means going forward, and we'll do some of that in the 5 o'clock hour.
3: There was a lot, I think, too much made about the the opt-out situation from Penn State, frankly. One, that's college football today. So you got to deal with it, for one. But two, people kept putting out this number. eight. Penn State was without eight players. Eight players. No, mm mm-mm. If you look at their opt-out list on game day and look up their stats, they were missing Chop, who, again, barely played this year, but elite player, but was injured most of the year, the two defensive backs, and an offensive tackle. All the other guys don't play. And so that number is is inflated. But also, if you're going to do that, and it's fine if you do, you also have to consider that Ole Miss's second wide receiver was hurt, Jordan Watkins, over 700 yards receiving, Only returned punts because he couldn't run with a hamstring issue. Bentley didn't play after the first quarter. Got hurt. Dart got hurt on the first play. They were without Cedric Johnson. They were without their right tackle. They were without their right tackle's backup. So, I mean, and also they had transfer guys too, like Aisheem Young transferred out, didn't play. Tight end. Uh pre backup transferred out didn't play. So if you if you want to do that with yeah. well, Penn State was missing players, well, so was Ole Miss. And they st- still lined mm-hmm. up and played
1: and won. Yeah, they did. Both those teams at full strength, Ole Miss still wins. There's just no question in my mind. Ole Miss was a better football team. Yeah. And and better coach. Hey Dad said, hey dad
2: said it from the day that the, the Monday after the yeah. bowl games were announced. Hey Dad was like. Wrong team favor, give me all miss on the money line. I asked him if he was going to pay for his Christmas by going to the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, and he said, Well, I don't know, I might. Never followed up to see if he did or not. But um
1: I did not. Unfortunately.
2: Hey, you, you know what was crazy? There was late movement right before kickoff in favor of Penn State even more. That line went to either five and a half or six right at kickoff, which means there was a big influence of Penn every minute. State money late.
3: Not Bruce. Not, Not Bruce, Bruce. On Friday. Oh, he loved Ole Miss in this game. He did hmm. like the under, though, so uh, that's okay. But he did like Ole Miss Moneyline. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the
2: new year in the books. We'll be back, 4 o'clock hour. We'll start with winners and
0: losers on a Tuesday right after this. Back to Sports Talk, Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk, Mississippi station.
2: Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. And, of course, on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations, thanks for being with us. Alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them at dancingrabbitgolf.com. That's where you go to book your tee time, plan your trip, or just grab the phone number to call them for more information. Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Is part of Pearl River Resort. It's what we like to do on Mondays. Today is a Monday for this week because Monday was January 1st and we were all off. And so on this Tuesday, we'll pretend like it's Monday. It was really wordy and give you winners and losers.
0: All I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. Get a winner never win. What
2: would you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we categorize winners and losers. You can send us yours on the C Spire text line at 601 879 4395. Give your business the edge of the gigabit, fiber, internet. From C Spire Business. Brian Haydad, give me a winner, please.
1: Uh, we gotta go into the into the games yesterday. First off, we're all winners for having getting to be able to watch those games. But Michael Penix is if you could get a revote on the Heisman, I think he might he might take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an incredible season and what and what a game last night and, and watching him I mean he is He's not a one-man show. He's got incredible receivers around him. Uh, his offensive line is good. Their defense is kind of underrated, but he's definitely the straw that stirs the drink, and he's what's going to give them a chance to beat Michigan uh, in in a week. I, I don't know that they will beat Michigan, but if whatever chance they have lies on his shoulders, so uh, Penix just just a really fun football player. And uh, I saw your tweets, Borky, and yes, yes, I am in agreement with you. Which which,
2: which 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 ones?
1: Uh, about uh, him playing in the Superdome and, and just kind of looking uh, natural there, and, <laughs> and yeah, I, I just, sure hope the key.
3: Saints had a scout there at the Sugar Bowl last night. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I hope Miss Benson was there, like, let's get that kid. Borky, give me a winner.
3: It's Michigan. Michigan is the perfect heel. I mean, hey, Dad, the wrestling fan would appreciate Michigan the most, I think. They are evil. I said winner, not cheater. They are a winner, though. They're a dirty, rotten (laughs) cheater. They got caught red-handed. And, buddy, the cheater was at the Rose Bowl, sitting two rows up behind the Michigan bench. He was there. Connor Stallions was there at the Rose Bowl. So you had Harbaugh suspended twice this season. And then Michigan players saying that they had to – Make sure that they shut their, or that they didn't watch film on their personal iPads because you never know what's gonna happen these days in college football. Like, no, you never know what you guys are gonna do these days in college football. And they cheated and they rubbed everybody's faces in it and they win. They're so good and they're so hateable. It's great. It's truly great that I have a college football team that I can hate so much that is so good. I enjoyed watching them win despite me hating it. It's a weird feeling, but I enjoyed it. And so for the national championship game in Houston, we now have
2: a team that is incredibly likable in the Washington Huskies and Michael Penix facing off against a team that basically everybody who is not a Michigan fan is against. I mean, Michigan's kind of the bad boy of college football right now. And so it sets up a pretty good storyline for the championship game. Or at least one of the good storylines. And by the way, Michigan's pretty darn good up front. Whew. Um, My winner, my first winner at least, Garrett Nussmeyer. Yesterday, at Raymond James Stadium in the ReliaQuest Bowl, formerly the Outback Bowl, Garrett Nussmeyer gets the start for Jaden Daniels, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And though he doesn't run like Jaden Daniels, he kind of threw it like him yesterday. 31 of 45 for 395 yards and three touchdowns with a, uh, a late drive that mattered. And then, of all things, LSU's defense won them the game here comes with Wisconsin with time on the clock and trying to retake the lead and LSU dials it up and Tanner Mordecai had no idea what hit him. I mean, that was it was like, hold on, that that's a different year LSU defense. That's not twenty twenty three LSU defense. That that's one of the ones that we've seen, like the twenty eleven LSU defense, where they're like, We're just going to get the quarterback, and they did it three plays in a row. So that was cool. Uh that was uh it was very, very cool. Any other necessary winners?
3: Yeah, uh, Mike Loxley uh, is definitely a winner. I mean, having his team ready to play, uh, despite having some opt-outs, especially at quarterback, and having to recruit leading up to the game, somehow found a way uh, to, to coach football as well as as recruit. And, um, yeah, good for him. So winning the Music City Bowl. <laughs> so uh, Mike, Mike Loxley.
1: Pop-Tarts. Uh, Maryland,
3: 8-5. and five.
1: Pop-Tarts are a winner. Yeah, they are. What an incredible! You know, when we saw that there was going to be a Pop Tarts Bowl, we knew that they were going to have this kind of a uh, fanfare. But it it it, it reached an uh, I mean the the Mayo dunk and all that it it reached an even higher level than I thought possible. It was absolutely hilarious, and I, I agree. I forget who tweeted it, but it, it may have been our friend Stuart Mandel. Which if he if he had he made a good point, you know God bless him. But that. As we go to the playoff and these bowl games, they, they they take a little hit in terms of, you know, they don't mean much now, and they're going to mean less when there's 12 teams in the playoff. But just lean into the silliness, man. Just get the craziest sponsor you can get, dunk the opposing coach in, in whatever foreign substance you can put him in, and, and have fun with it, man. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a game. I, I reached into my like marketing dork background. For, for a tweet
2: mm. on Friday, I guess, while Borky and I were uh, were doing the show. Pretty sure no company has gotten more out of a bowl sponsorship than at Pop-Tarts Bowl. Great activation. No. How do you measure ROI? Is it through engagement and sales spike? Are you good with general brand awareness? I don't know what their internal metrics were for measuring success, but if it's based on reaction and brand awareness, man, grand slam. Yeah,
3: and- Build it. You know, because the Orange Bowl was such a joke, and so was the Fiesta Bowl as well, frankly. That's a a conversation maybe we need to have this week, by the way. I might need to change my tune about the 12-team playoff and the inclusion of certain teams in the 12-team playoff because Liberty did not belong. They didn't belong on the field with Oregon, and they would not have belonged on the field with anybody and
2: at SMU all. would have I mean, gotten
3: beat just as badly, just as bad. They lost to Boston College by a lot. I mean, this this was not a banner yeah, year.
1: Oregon was the wrong team to match up with a group of five. That was not the team to match. In all honesty, they should have put Florida State up against the group of five team. They that should have figured out a way.
3: May have been a respectable game, but uh, so maybe that's a conversation we need to have because although like Tulane beat USC, I understand it. Uh, The average margin of defeat for the G5 in Access Bowls is like 10 points. So they're not all like this. This was not a good lead-in year for their inclusion into the 12-team playoff. But the Orange Bowl is a joke. The Fiesta Bowl is a joke. I watched a lot of teams that really cared and really had a lot of fun playing in these games. Uh, Opt-outs, no opt-outs, didn't matter. I mean, the big bowls like Missouri and Ole Miss, they had a blast. They cared. But the smaller bowls, you mentioned the Pop-Tart Bowl. Kansas State had a blast playing in that game. Had a blast. Rutgers had a blast playing in bad weather in Fenway. I mean, its it wasn't all bad. I, mean, I thought when we watched
2: the game in the pouring rain in Annapolis last week. Yeah. Who was that? Uh... Marshall, no, it doesn't matter. Whoever it, it was, was, Virginia
3: Tech. And oh, that's right, it was Virginia it, Tech. It, and who?
1: Yes, that was in the rain. There was yep. also the the other the the uh, App State and uh, and somebody I forget who they played. That was played in a monsoon. Yeah, that was. Early. I was thinking about the Virginia Tech game, and Yeah.
2: It, Virginia it Tech was, fans yeah. looked like they were having the time of their life. It was 50 degrees and raining
3: sideways. Yeah. That's like
2: bone-chilling cold. But, but, like, Clemson and Kentucky
3: was great. And I know that there's questions about this bowl's future, but the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl featuring Toledo and Wyoming, mm-hmm. the, the, those two teams cared. I mean, they – Yeah. So th- this idea that bowl season's completely ruined, I, I, I know there was a couple of bad access bowls, but I had fun. A lot of the players had yeah. fun too.
1: I enjoyed watching college football this month. Also, let's give credit to the bowls. Normally, we have like that situation where after the big bowls, there's like one bowl just sort of straggling behind, like the Quick yeah. Lane Bowl will be on January fourth. We didn't get that this year. We're done. We are on to the national title. I like that. Well done. You remember the year that
2: didn't LSU play in the Texas Bowl, and it was after the national championship
1: yeah. game. Something like that, yeah. It was like, ugh. (laughs) Silliness. Sports
2: Talk Mississippi. We'll get to your winners and losers coming up next.
0: Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you, Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: All right, we're going to do winners and losers of yours justice today because a bunch of you have sent them in on the ceasefire text line. We need to come back and add some of our losers we can uh, as well. So let's let's start here. Winner, Florida State fans for sticking with their team. Loser, Florida State for abandoning their fans.
3: And I detest Florida State. I understand what people are doing when they're talking about, well, see, Alabama lost. Florida State could have just as easily lost. The committee got it wrong. And, well, ignore what you saw on the field in the Georgia game because that wasn't Florida State at full strength and blah, blah, blah. I understand it, truly. I do. And Roadmaker could have just as easily thrown for 114 yards like Milrow. I get all that. When you lose by 60 points, you need to shut up. I don't care if it's your skeleton crew. I don't care if it's your third stringers. I don't care. If Georgia beats you by 60, you cannot turn around and try to convince people that you belonged on the field with Michigan. I'm sorry. Can't do it. I mean, TCU lost by almost that much to Georgia last year. They did, and a lot of people yeah, talked about how they lost. didn't belong, but at least they beat Michigan to get there. Yeah, they got there. However, I, just, I think the crying – after you get beat the way you did, I don't care who opted out at that point. Florida State got beat by 60.
2: Yeah, you you, you made a choice. like, you know, like not, not as a fan. I mean, you don't have the choice as a fan. You support your team or you don't. But Florida State football players made the choice. And they left behind a bunch of their teammates who they had been with all season long to go take that woodshed beating after a perfect season prior to that point. And so, eh. Sorry. I mean, if that was your protest, I hope you accomplished what you intended to accomplish. Uh, Loser, whoever was responsible for that last play call for Alabama. Didn't love the play call. But I did not like Alabama's offensive game plan period last night. And I know a ton of credit goes to Michigan. But,
1: whoo! That was rough. I mean, they just didn't make night. adjustments. They just didn't make adjustments. I mean, it, it took them a full half to figure out, hey, we can't go empty anymore because they're bringing so much pressure. And then when they did figure Five it out, I mean,
2: sacks I, in the
1: first half. Yeah, like after I, I thought three, that, it wasn't you know, like
2: you know maybe we should leave a back end to chip.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and then, you know, they, they get some momentum going in the second half, and I thought they had the game in hand for a second there. And then when Milroe fumbled that football, I was like, ah, that's that's, that's that's not good. Even though Michigan didn't score off of that, that was a chance for Alabama to get control of that game. So, yeah, yeah. Just, just a systemic fil- failure offensively for, for Alabama. N- nothing they did really worked. Didn't it feel
2: to you like Alabama was driving to go score another touchdown on that drive? Like,
1: Yes, like', like they gonna, had be, finally gonna found get points here and put it and away boom and yeah. it's
2: gonna be and and even if you don't score take two or three more minutes off the clock
1: you know. yeah mm. and instead they fumble it right back and there it is
3: um yeah and uh the the lights were too bright for Millerro
2: I don't know if the lights were too bright or not he just he played really poorly it was like he did not understand what he was supposed to be seeing. He he did not. It didn't look to me like he had a clear picture of what was happening.
3: And you know, I, I admire and respect confidence. So so I don't hate him for doing this. But if you're going to, Bill O'Brien told me I wasn't good enough. Look at me now and then play like that. Eh. Mm. Uh Sarah McLaughlin bent. Oh,
2: sorry. Seth McLaughlin, Bama center, season-long loser, roll tide. Yeah, I mean, if he puts I the snap
3: on the money and Milrow you. follows, it, it, man, if Milrow just follows his guard, that the play was there. I, and, I mean, I, I saw some people even saying, if he just waited a second, like, wait a second, with, with that Michigan defense, what they've been doing to Alabama's offensive line, you want the quarterback to take the ball and just 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 sit there for a little while, that doesn't... That that doesn't compute at all. Uh, I mean, the the snap was bad, and Milrow. And it was about the
2: fourteenth time in the game that the snap was a bad was bad, and it was about the two hundredth time this season. And he kind of you can't watch a Bama highlight reel from a single game this year without seeing Jalen Milrow contorting himself like Gumby to try and catch the snap multiple
3: times throughout the course of the game. How does that happen at at Alabama? I, I don't know. But so the, the snap was bad, when, and he didn't... With a
1: transfer portal.
3: I know, right? And, and he didn't like, follow the, the scheme. I, I mean, if he follows the guard, if the snap is on and he follows the guard, it's a touchdown. He scores. The the, the play call ended up being bad because, as Saban said after the game, play call was bad because it didn't work. But the above, the the behind view shows a path to the end zone if he follows his guard, and he didn't.
2: Uh, winner, me for working in Birmingham and getting to see all the sad Bama faces. Loser, my apartment complex for not paying the Direct TV bill and missing every game yesterday except for the last oh. one.
3: Ah, oh. that's tough. They should give you a month's rent for that.
1: Uh winner. there was a B-dubs near you.
2: Gardner Minshew, 15-23, to 23, 224 yards, and a touchdown in Sunday's 23-20 win over the Raiders. That's from Dwayne and Brandon. Uh, loser, everybody that bought a ticket to support their team and go to the stadium and found out the best players had opted out for the portal or the NFL. Portal needs to be when the season's over. No coach needs to leave his team until the season is over.
3: The whole season. Agree and agree. Another example of things that college football can be more like the NFL and you cannot hire a coach until the season's over. You can't contact a coach until the season is over. You can't get players from another roster until the season is over. Simple.
2: Loser. Pennix got robbed and should have won the Heisman.
1: Uh, Loser. I won't argue too hard against that.
2: Bruce says, loser, whoever wrote this for NBC Sports before the bowl game started, I had two thoughts when I read it. One, do you not realize Ole Miss plays in the SEC where you find the best defenses in the nation? Two, maybe Penn State hasn't seen an offense as good as Ole Miss. The uh, write-up was, um, well, let's see here. Take Penn State and lay the points. This may not be an opportunity for Penn State to start the Drew Aller 2024 Heisman campaign but it is an opportunity to start to transform him into the elite quarterback many predict he will be. Doubtful, Ole Miss has seen too many defenses as good as that of the Nittany Lions. Take Penn State and lay the points. That's what NBC Sports said. That's a good one, Bruce. No. Do
3: the opposite.
0: Did, did I hope that article, you did.
3: Say Drew Aller and and Heisman. Is that mm-hmm, it did. Is, is that what it? Okay. Uh, Winner: The sure.
2: Barstool announcers at the Arizona Bowl—they were hilarious. To a punt returner on the punt, "Drop it, drop it!" Calling the refs the Three Stooges. <laughs> uh, loser: of The yawner Bowl—I mean the Cotton Bowl.
1: It was Jeff from Pontiac. Hey, Liberty had the lead in that game. The Cotton Bowl? Wasn't it six nothing? Uh, didn't start Cotton Bowl off, was didn't they Missouri score first? And Ohio
2: State Friday night? Oh, Missouri. Okay, yeah, Missouri. Going mor- into
1: the fourth quarter. Right. That game, that game was exciting.
2: Mm-hmm. The winner: Jackson Dart, who probably got an NIL increase after the win. Loser: no Mike Norvell. Come on, dude, teach your players how to handle adversity. If you did, maybe they would have stayed for the bowl game. That's from Ben and Brandon. The only thing that I would say, like, I'm not sure what the rouse your team up speech is for Mike Norvell. Because you're like, hey, let's go prove we belong. What does that mean? Because I told you at the beginning of the year, let's go out and win all our games and win a conference championship and put ourselves in a position to play for a national championship. Check, 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 and check. Uh, uh, That's a hard situation. Um, Kirk Herbstreet is a loser for winning the championship game permanently in Pasadena based on
3: a sunset. He and Joel Klatt both are on the the College Football National Championship needs to be at the Rose Bowl forever. And, I mean, the Rose Bowl's iconic, right? The sunset is cool. It's really cool. A lot of college football history has been played in that venue. The National Championship does not need to be played in the region of the country that cares about the sport the least. And it's probably really easy to say that every National Championship should be there when you get to go there lodging and expenses free. Asking tough trip fans from the southeast to make that trip is a little bit different than when ESPN flies you and your dog on their private jet. A little bit different,
2: yeah. And I've heard from a lot of people that that stadium is in really, really poor condition like tight concourses, long walks to the bathroom, long lines, antiquated concessions just like not a good setup. And and you Contrast that to these new state of the art stadiums that are absolutely spectacular. It's tough ass. I, I agree it looks great. It does. But eh, need some work. Maybe though maybe Pasadena will pump about half a billion dollars into it and then we'll say sure. Let's take another look at this.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi Ends of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth Waiting for Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Moderator. Coach, we'll start with an opening statement and then go right into questions. James Franklin. First of all, I want to thank the fan turnout. We had a great turnout, great support, and we're appreciative of that. We don't take that for granted. I want to thank the Chick-fil-A and the Peach Bowl. We had a great experience and were treated in a first-class manner. Specifically to the game, just too many moving parts with the staff and with the players against a good team. Too many moving parts, staff and players, to have the type of success that we wanted to have today. I won't get into all the details. I I thought the officiating was less than desirable. That first drive, we have the field goal. We run a slant. We get turned around, but but I'll move on. I could list out a number of examples. That's a, a big play in that game at a critical moment. Starting out with a touchdown rather than a field goal is significant, but I'll move on, but I'll move on. And then when he moves on, he outlines some things. Lack of turnovers. We had two bu- plays backed up in their area of the field that went to replay. But those two turnovers would have been huge in the game. I'm not even saying they were judged right or wrong. I-, I didn't get a chance to see it. But they were huge plays in the game. You guys watched it. Were they judged right or wrong?
1: They were probably judged correctly.
3: So if you want to hear um, like the tone and, and the inflection of the statement. I've got the audio for you. Okay. Uh. Uh.
0: Uh.
2: Then we had a turnover.
0: We've uh. done a great job.
2: <laughs> I mean, any oh, coach gosh. ever.
1: They it stop. I thought I was past all that part <laughs> of my life. Jeez Louise. So, all right, if you're keeping score at home, lack of turnovers. We had a turnover.
2: We've done a great job of creating turnovers on defense and eliminating turnovers on offense, and we didn't win the turnover battle today, which has been a huge part of our success all year long. Couple of Okay, so didn't create turnovers, turned it over ourselves. A couple of other things I would say is getting off the field on third and fourth down on defense and being able to convert and stay on the field on offense. Okay. Be good on third down defensively, be good on third down offensively. Didn't do either of those. We've been great all year in the third quarter. Oh, here it is. Got to give credit to Ole Miss. Got to give Lane and his staff credit. But I think, ultimately, too many moving parts, staff and players, to have the type of success that we want to have.
3: Now, now who's responsible for those moving parts, James? Is it you, Jimmy? Dude,
2: uh, you remember he, when Russ used to call him Jimmy Franklin? <laughs> Jim yeah. Franklin. I,
3: I mean, everybody saw it. He
2: got out. Oh, 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 there was more. There was more. Sorry, oh. I had to get into another, another uh, question. James, the pace that they play with, the tempo—how challenging was that? With some of the moving parts. Sticking with the moving parts theme. <laughs> James Franklin, is not that a Rush album? So the tempo is challenging early on in the game, where we were able to get negative plays, takes them out of their rhythm. But I, okay, I don't think I, I don't think we got the puncture right there. So the tempo is challenging early on in the game, where we were able to get negative plays, takes them out of their rhythm. But obviously, when they're able to play with tempo and have positive plays and build on it, it's difficult to stop. Okay, fine. That also goes into the how the game is managed is also important. When the ball goes out on their sideline, that is a substitution, and we have the ability to match substitution. There were a couple of times when we're trying to be able to substitute right there to affect their tempo and also to match personnel, and we weren't given the opportunity to do that a few times. So tempo is challenging all the time, but you also need to – Make sure it's being managed correctly and consistently so we know when we can sub and when we can't. Anything else? Poor fella.
1: That's it. This is is the perfect storm for Richard Cross. Uh, He he doesn't like a whiny coach anyway. Richard doesn't care for a whiny coach after the game anyway. But then it's the one coach he absolutely despises – this is the best-case scenario for Richard Cross right here. He couldn't be happier right this second to be having this particular uh, conversation.
2: Couldn't be happier right now. Couldn't be happier. Where else would you rather be,
1: Richard, than right here, right now?
2: Who's got it better
3: than us? Nobody. Nailed it. And then Isn't that right, Jim? And then the other uh, loser coach... Uh, imagine this. Hugh Freeze after his team. Audio. You get the audio? It's really low. I can play it, yeah.
2: Let's play it.
1: What went wrong out there today? Was it execution? Was it, you know, how did you feel about the game plan? And you guys feel like it was an effective game plan? Well, obviously, I don't feel like
2: it was an effective one. I didn't get too involved in it. Um, for most of the part until this week, because of recruiting, and uh, really wanted to kind of evaluate um, everything about our program,
3: and it. Um, but we we didn't run the ball. It starts there, and so we have to go look at the the run schemes that we had, and
1: you know, did we do we not play hard up front? Or it's really hard for me to tell. I mean, but they they really dominated the line of scrimmage
2: against us. And they did load the box now. They forced us to. Uh, they had extra hats in, in the box for sure. And that's when you have got to be able to throw in some. But we didn't protect the passer real well. And it wasn't all the old line. There were sometimes the backs
3: didn't didn't get the protection right. Um, but anytime you you struggle like we did, you know, it's, it's it's not a, it's not.
2: I don't feel like
1: the plan was, was great. So, seems reasonable. I kind, I mean, I sympathize with, with the first kind of part. Like, the, the calendar is messed up for coaching right now. You're trying to finish up recruiting in the middle of ball. I get it. I get that's an issue. hmm But, man, they pay you to win games. Six and a half that's, million that's that, dollars a year. That is what that salary goes for.
2: All right. You know, our, our apologies, you gotta, by the way. Somebody said you literally can't hear a word of that over the radio. So it was Hugh Freeze post game. The question was, how'd you feel about the execution of the game plan? And he's like, well, not good, obviously. But then he went on to say, I really wasn't that involved with it up until the very end because, you know, recruiting, and I was trying to do an evaluation of our entire program, and
3: blah blah blah. Yeah, here direct quote. I didn't get too involved in it, talking about the game plan. I didn't get too involved in it for the most part until this week because of recruiting. Anytime you struggle like we did, I don't feel like the plan was great. And to Heydad's point, the, the calendar is messed up. But uh, imagine for, for a second Mississippi State fans next year. Jeff Levy gets Mississippi State back into a bowl game. They go to the pick-a-bowl. The Music City Bowl. They find their way to to Nashville. And thousands upon thousands of you, because Auburn fans traveled well to Nashville. They did. Get your hotels on New Year's weekend in a party city. Imagine what that cost to to spend your weekend in Nashville. So you buy tickets to the game. you got to travel. And you got to pay for hotels, which are expensive. And your team gets beat, which is a risk that you take when you go to these games. And after the game... The $6.5 million coach says, I didn't really get involved in game planning. What would you think if Jeff Levy, who would never do this, by the way, if Jeff Levy sat behind a podium and said, I didn't game plan much, and you were one of those people that spent four figures of your hard-earned money to go watch the team play, and the coach says, I didn't game plan much. I mean, aside from throwing Philip Montgomery under the bus and, oh, it wasn't all the offensive line, the backs failed too, Imagine thinking that that is a valid excuse. And then some people are defending it. Lane Kiffin recruited well, and his team was ready to play. Kirby Smart's team was ready to play. Dabo Sweeney's team was ready to play. Mike Loxley's team was ready to play. Eli Drinkwitz's team was ready to play. They all recruited well. They all had portal stuff to deal with. They all had players leaving. They all had to balance all of that. And they still had time to game plan and win their games.
2: C-SPIRE text line, Hugh lives rent-free in Mississippi Rebel fan heads.
1: Ooh, ooh, burned you. Got you over the rent-free. Ooh,
2: you got it. Or maybe we were just talking about coaches that were whining after games and this conversation fit here. Maybe. Maybe.
3: An SEC head coach said out loud, I didn't game plan much. It doesn't matter if it's Hugh Freeze or Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher. Any coach that would say that after a game would get absolutely wrong. on you were taking that out of context. Well, what's the well context then tell then? us
2: what the context is There's Artie Pants. G- give us some context that makes sense. No, I was too busy doing other stuff to get the offensive game plan ready. Have you noticed the yo-yo this year? can't make up his mind. Am I going to be involved in the offensive game planning, and call plays? Am I going to back off and let Philip Montgomery and the rest of the offensive staff do it? Auburn was abysmal offensively all season long. And their head coach has built his entire career on being an offensive innovator. They took steps back. Check this
0: out. (laughs) Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Hey, Richard, would you like to see a Christmas gift that I got? Sure. Just a little little, little happy here from my friend uh, Alex in Tupelo. She got me a new keychain. Look. It's fried chicken. It's a a fried chicken keychain. Look at his face every time you say it. Uh. It's fried chicken, Richard. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Turn my keys into a weapon. It's heavy. Speaking of it Christmas. It feels like fried chicken, too. It's got the uh, the craggly bits there. Awesome.
3: Mm. Uh, Paige, if you're listening, the hot sauces were a hit at the the Borky house. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Paige and Company hot sauces. Uh, I left them behind because they were so well-liked. Um, yes. Oh, we, nice of you. We, 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 we tried them all, and uh, especially the, uh, the pineapple habanero was everybody's favorite. But you mm-hmm. killed it, Paige. Thank you.
1: She's getting um, a lot of pub because I talk about her on tomorrow's uh, Thunder and Lightning. Nice. Somebody asked very me about hot sauce. I was like, welcome.
2: V- very good. Um, hey, I got an idea for something that we should do in the new year. It's one of those things that we'll mention and everybody will go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then it'll last for like three days and we'll forget it. Text of the We're day. Tradition. Text of the day.
1: Okay. All
2: right. My my, my nominee for text of the day is for Kevin. Hey, Dad. You were saying a second ago that um, James Franklin whining and whining coaches couldn't make me happier to talk about those two together. Kevin says yeah. I'm thinking the only thing that might make Richard happier would be if Ford made airplanes. <laughs> Ooh, I thought that text was of good. the day. Text of the day. Text of the day. Text of the day. Kevin gets the text of the day.
1: Uh, right. We can we can keep that momentum going. We can you know let's 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 yeah. let's, not, let's not make it like every other New Year's resolution and forget about it.
3: Uh, ESPN needs a New Year's resolution. Uh, add a delay on your live shots of Bourbon Street. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 Borky, was that even a live shot or was that a
2: B roll shot that somebody missed in editing? I sure hope that was that, a live shot. Uh,
1: I I can't imagine why would they have live cameras down on Bourbon Street during the game. That's got to be B roll. But that somebody just missed. V Cup, too. <laughs> I thought we were just going to talk uh, around it, but you just decided to just. Uh, right making right you laugh, right Richard. Making you laugh, Richard. Not that hard. I can get you around right there. But when I can get Borky to have to push away from the mic for a second, that's when I know it was really funny.
3: Mm. So they, they released an apology. <laughs> You think? But I'm trying to see if if they acknowledged it was a live shot or not. They don't. They just they, they apologize for the video that aired in the telecast. But the time of day is accurate.
2: If if you didn't see this and you don't know what we're talking about and you haven't seen it on the um you know the World Wide Web I, you're not at or work those thing, uh then it is um uh you remember there was the, the halftime around. show? There was the halftime show with with, uh, JT and Janet that one time. It's kind of like that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) kind of like that. Didn't have the sun ring around it, but, you know. (sighs) Uh,
3: But but how can the people putting on the broadcast, if if that wasn't live, if that was B-roll, that's worse than live. Live is a bad decision, but at least you have that excuse. If you recorded that, and then uploaded it into your system to play later and nobody saw that because everybody watching yeah. the game was like what <laughs> like mm-hmm. saw
2: that that's
1: why i couldn't be i couldn't be an announcer cuz i would have just been all over that <laughs> i would be like wait 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 roll that back what do we just see
2: hey dad i just spewed my drink all over my steering wheel if i was Richard, i would have to trade <laughs>
1: Well, go see our friends at Belk Ford in Oxford. They'll take care of you. Highway 6 West,
2: great selection. Actually went by there uh, earlier today. Not today, <laughs> just,
0: to, just to say hi new to you. New year,
2: friends. new truck, let's go! I mean, not mad at that idea. Oh yeah, yeah. We had an Auburn fan that chimed in. Uh, well, there was Johnny and McComb who says, you can't be blamed for anything, ever. That's Johnny and McComb. Um No, there was one, though. Oh, this is Michael. As an Auburn fan, Auburn alum, I was disappointed in those responses from Coach. However, if we keep hitting top ten recruiting classes, you shouldn't have to face that in the future. I don't know. I mean, not being involved in the offensive game plan, regardless of what your roster is made of going into a bowl game, I'm not sure that that's – yeah. Oh, wait. Ford makes an airplane? The Ford Tri-Motor? Mm, I don't know if that's the one I'm looking for.
1: That's not the one.
2: I don't think that's the one.
1: Just uh, the name sounds like it's not classy enough.
2: Dwayne and Brandon, Richard, isn't it time for a new house? Eh, afraid that would mean I had to have a new wife also, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, better, you better stay put. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five o'clock hour, we'll start things One off with the college Let's football go. fix. We're glad to be with you on this first show of the new year, 2024. We've got uh, a couple of basketball teams in the state of Mississippi that are really in good shape, headed toward conference play. A whole lot more. We're back after this.
0: Over me. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? <laughs> This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: clock hour with you on this tuesday afternoon january 2nd 2024 alongside brian haydad and michael borky i'm richard cross we are glad to be with you in the pearl river resort studios pearl river resort is the home of live entertainment check them out online at PearlRiverResort.com. go to the events tab on their website and you can see about the live comedy and live music shows that they've got in the spring and into the summer, and they will be adding more as time goes along. PearlRiverResort.com. Thankful for our uh, longtime partnership with uh, our friends at Pearl River Resort. I saw uh, Chief, Chief Cyrus Ben um, was in Atlanta this weekend. Got to see him and uh, met his lovely wife and two of their three children. Uh, I think his son was playing in an all-star football game this weekend, so always good to uh, catch up with them. Uh, You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. For a limited time, you can get the iPhone 15 on them. When you activate a new line, check out their website for more details, cspire.com, Spire customer-inspired. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We're glad to be with you. It is time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buy Ford now and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Let's let's go through the bowl games that involved SEC teams uh, over the weekend. We'll leave the Texas A&M game out of that. We had a chance to talk about that one last week. Uh, Let's go to Orlando, the Citrus Bowl, Camping World Stadium, Tennessee and Iowa. In the final game with Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator for the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Iowa offense, Was shut out. Zero point zero
3: zero points. Played three ranked teams this year and did not score a point on any of them. I was
2: a little surprised with the attendance for this ballgame. 43, almost 44,000. Big stadium there at uh, Camping World in Orlando. Tennessee fans, and frankly, Iowa fans as well, generally travel very very well to uh to postseason games. so that was a little smaller crowd uh than i anticipated that one Nico iama
3: lieva iama lieva
2: i no it's not it's not an i it's it's,
3: it's e, e like Iyama- the i
2: i think it's iama lieva sure iama uh, overpaid
3: 12 of Iyama 19 be for there. 100
2: 51 yards and a touchdown. It was pretty he was good. Sacked six times. In fairness, Iowa's defense is <laughs> I mean,
1: good. Iowa's defense really, really good. Um, we are yeah, going to we'll, have a
3: ridiculous hype machine this offseason season uh, with him, though. You know how 10, yes. you know how Tennessee media works. For some reason, they get the benefit of the doubt so much in hyping up quarterbacks. We got it with Joe Milton, and look what he became. He's just okay. We have yeah. one. Is Joe is going to get drafted.
1: Yeah, he's, yeah. He's too, the tools are too good. I mean, not not in the first round or anything, but a, a late round pick. Yeah, somebody's going to take a chance.
2: Will he make a team?
1: I think so. Just because, again, somebody old somebody will say, "I can, I can, mm-hmm. I can coach him up."
2: Okay. Um Yamalieva had uh, three rushing touchdowns, a total of uh, 27 yards rushing. That was net when you take sack yardage out. And again, he was sacked six times. Tennessee went 35 to nothing. And it was just kind of methodical, too. Uh, they scored two second quarter touchdowns, one in the third quarter, and two in the fourth quarter. And Iowa fans, I suppose, can breathe a sigh of relief because uh, it can't get any worse offensively. For Iowa than uh, than what they did this year. Wait,
3: nobody bets a thousand. Our conversation about whether or not they should fire him uh, aged like milk. <laughs> not the-
2: yeah. And I, I I was actually thinking back on that, and obviously the, the, moving on from Brian Ferentz is the right answer. I think I was just kind of playing devil's advocate when they were still undefeated. And they were. They absolutely mm-hmm. were. Um, and sometimes it's fun to get Borky hot and bothered in an argument. Like even even if I know he's right and he knows he's right, sometimes there's some buttons that you can press to make him feel like maybe he's not, and he's just pushing back and oh, it was fun. That was a good one. Uh, it, it was fun. The ReliaQuest, formerly the Outback Bowl, was really, really entertaining. Again, low attendance. 31,424. And that's for LSU in Wisconsin.
3: Figured LSU fans would travel better, getting to to see the oh. Saints on the same field the day before. Figured you go get the In two. In fairness,
1: first, they knew those two fan bases. Eleven a.m. after New Year's Eve. I mean, maybe a lot of them came to Tampa, but they just didn't make it out of their hotel rooms. Yeah, it's
2: possible. It's possible. Wisconsin took a 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter, and you're like, ooh, okay, that's how this one's going to go. The first 10-0. two drives. Yeah. Yeah. And looked impressive doing it. Had a mm-hmm. lot of success throwing the football. Uh, LSU climbed back into it with a couple of touchdowns to make it 14-14. Wisconsin with a score right before the half. They led 21-14 going into the locker room. LSU trailed by 14 for the second time in the game after Wisconsin scored on the opening drive of the second half, and then it was uh, 14 in a row for LSU to tie it up at 28. Wisconsin took the lead with a minute 18 remaining in the third quarter, 31-28, and Garrett Nussmeyer threw his third touchdown pass of the game with 3.08 remaining to put the Tigers back in front, 35-31. Wisconsin did have one last chance, but as we talked about earlier, LSU got after Tanner Mordecai on that last drive. He was really good, threw for 378 yards and three touchdowns, but was sacked five times. Garrett Nussmeyer threw for 395 and three touchdowns. He was not sacked the entire game. Clearly, he doesn't run the way Jaden Daniels does, but Garrett Nussmeyer has been patient. Feels like there are multiple times he could have left LSU. He has chosen to stay. Surely he's going to be the starting quarterback for LSU next year, right? Yeah, I
1: feel like but, he has all the like big he has names are out right of that on the portal.
3: Then, then why did they sign AJ Swan?
1: Backup. I mean, you got to have a backup.
3: But but he could have, have started somewhere.
1: Why did he go to LSU? Maybe well, maybe the, maybe the NIL deal was better than he could have gotten anywhere else. But they go. You know, after Spencer Sanders, we can't, we can't really question these guys. Anymore. And,
3: and a, as we learned uh, with his ineligibility in the Peach Bowl, the, the Sanders deal was not as cut and dry as people wanted to make it out to be. He didn't have that many options because academically yeah. he didn't. It y- you would hope that a guy from Vanderbilt would be able to get into South Carolina.
1: <laughs> and he proved everybody wrong by being academically ineligible for the Peach Bowl.
2: Uh, we talked a little bit about Auburn and Maryland. 31 to 13 was the final. Auburn scored a uh, touchdown with 653 to go. That was the final scoring of the game. Three Auburn quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne, Hank Brown, and Holden Gernier combined to go 21 of 42 for 224 yards. Uh, Maryland was without Talia um, Tungavailoa. Uh, He declared for the draft the combination of Billy Edwards Jr. and Cameron Edge went 10 for 26 for 208 yards, both threw a touchdown pass in the game, one interception, and they still won. Auburn just turned it over and turned it over and turned it over.
3: Yeah, Liberty's quarterback just hit the portal. Everybody's doing the one-plus-one thing. Uh, You cannot continue if you're Hugh Freeze with Peyton. No. Uh, You can't do it.
1: You can't go on like that. You can't.
3: Yeah, but do you think the guy from Liberty's it? No, but you have got to try something.
1: Yeah, do something, yeah. Uh
2: Friday night Cotton Bowl, great crowd at uh in Arlington at AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh it was a tough watch for a long time. Defensive battle. 3 to nothing Ohio State at the half. 3 to nothing Ohio State going into the fourth quarter, but then Missouri got going. And I thought this was really impressive. So Missouri had done nothing offensively for the entire game, and they put together an eight-play, 95-yard drive to score their first touchdown and make it 7-3. to three. And they followed up later in the fourth quarter with a 13-play, 91-yard drive that ended in a touchdown to make it 14-3. to three. That was impressive by Missouri. They, they traded blows punch-for-punch punch defensively, Cody Schrader had 128 yards rushing. Brady Cook was very average throwing the football, 11 of 18. He did have a touchdown in the game. And Missouri finishes their season 11 and 2, and they hand Ohio State their second loss of the season. Buckeyes also finished the year 11 and 2. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you right after this.
0: Sports Talk, Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Good to be with you this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. We've got just a few days left to enjoy highly jolly holidays. So kids still out of school want to find something for them to do. Well, you could uh, let them go ice skating in Oxford at the City Pavilion. It'll be open for a few more days, and then it will go away until this time next year. Check out the full schedule of events, everything that's happening in Oxford. On the website, visit OxfordMS.com. That's visit OxfordMS.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borke, A couple of other games involving SEC teams. We'll go back to the Peach Bowl, try and talk a little bit of basketball and uh, maybe squeeze in a couple of other things between now and the uh, end of the game. Clemson, Kentucky, in the Gator Bowl. They don't call it that. It's the the Tax Act Bowl or something.
1: No, it's just yeah. the Gator Bowl. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl.
2: Tax Slayer or Tax Act? Tax so Act Slayer. is the Texas Bowl. Oh, the, okay, sorry. The Tax Slayer Gator, Gator Bowl. Apologies. Yeah. Do you guys watch much of this? They
1: don't one? act on taxes. They slay them. Yeah, yes, is, I did. It was, it was, it was a good, good game.
2: It was a fun game. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 38-35 the final. 28-14. Clemson outscored Kentucky in the fourth quarter. And Clemson had a three-yard rushing touchdown with 17 seconds remaining in the game to turn a uh, 35-30 deficit into a 38-35 win. It ultimately
3: didn't matter. But Mark Stoops... Th- 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 Some football coaches just drive me nuts. I mean, Mark Stoops, just not a math guy, I guess, scores a touchdown to go up four and chooses to kick an extra point to go up five. What's the difference between being up four and up five? Nothing. Go for two to be up up, uh, at least a touchdown and an extra point so you can get a bad snap or whatever and keep the game tied but it's little stuff like that at nine million bucks a year what are you doing man don't you have like a chart that you're carrying around with you you know time you score to do this scenarios and whatnot it just it seems so basic you you score to go up four you go for two to make them have to kick an extra point to beat you it didn't ultimately didn't matter but imagine if it did The second quarter was a
2: house of horrors for the Florida State Seminoles. Georgia first scored with 405 to go in the first quarter to make the game seven to nothing. They scored again in the second quarter at the 1457, 1234, 1038, 1018, 339 and 24 second marks. Yes, that was five, second quarter touchdowns to make it 42 to nothing. At the half, they added another 21 points for good measure in the second half of the game, the only points for Florida State. Came with twelve thirty-four to go in the second quarter when they made the fourteen nothing game, fourteen to three. I mean the numbers don't matter. Carson Beck had a couple of touchdowns. Gunnar Stockton threw for a couple of touchdowns. They had a bunch of rushing touchdowns. I just,
1: I mean, it was brutal. It was, it was everything the you knew it was going to be. All
2: mismatches. Yeah, but to Georgia's credit. Georgia also was stung. They also were hurt. They lost the last time they were on the field, and it cost them a chance at a national championship. And I don't know if any of us are convinced that Georgia's not the best team in the country. They didn't win the game, so they don't get the opportunity to claim that this year. Right. But that is an immensely talented Georgia team that for much of the season looked like the best team in the country and given the opportunity to be part of the four-team playoff, could very well have won another national championship. They didn't. But Kirby Smart, he had some opt-outs, nothing like what Florida State dealt with. But he got his team locked in. He got them engaged. They played smart. They played hard. They played a ton of guys, and everybody they ran out there had success. I mean, all of the conversation in this is about Florida State. But I feel like Georgia deserves a little credit as well. And by the way, the score was not dissimilar to the one that they hung when they played for a national championship last year. Yes. They won this one by 60. They won that one by, what,
3: 58? Did I do the math right? 65-7? to
1: You did, you did.
3: Kirby Smart, by the way, had some really interesting things to say after this game. Um, He did. And uh, here's a little bit of it right now. Uh, This is Kirby postgame after he beats Florida State by 60.
0: People need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that they, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they're in. And everybody can say it's their fault and it's all their
2: own problem. All right, And everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen
0: to all that. But college football has got to decide what they want. And I know things are changing. And I think some things are going to change next year. And you know what? There's going to still be bowl games outside of those. People got to decide what they want and what they really want to get out of it. Because it's
2: really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that they had to play in that game that didn't have their full arsenal. And it affected the game 100%.
3: He's not wrong. No. The calendar needs to change. And I don't know if it fixes all of the opt-outs. It's it's so easy
2: to say the calendar needs to change, but if you're going to say that, and this is not a shot at you, Borky, because I've heard this a million times, the calendar needs to change. You also have to come up with a solution for what the calendar should look like. And there's a finite amount of time between when the semester ends and when the new semester begins where... If guys are going to transfer, they got to have time to figure out where they're going. Starting right now. Yeah, but in some places, classes start next week. Okay. I mean, is that fair to people that are making a decision this big?
3: Then don't leave. And there's another window after the semester. There, there's two windows. This isn't the only window. There's a post-spring window as well. Far yeah, less impactful if you... I mean, you can spread the post-spring window out months. I mean, I mean, you can start it in March and, and let it go into June if you want to because there's no games that you're impacting. There's no, there's no season that you're involved in. So you, are you
2: going to allow... Players to be recruited throughout the
3: spring. If they hit the portal, sure.
1: Is it simpler to to say you can hit the portal, but you have to stay with your team? I don't know how you make them do that, but it's stay with you. You can be in the portal, you can be recruited, you can take you know figure fig, figure out visits on, on 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 the schedule. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how, but that seems like the easier way to say it. you can join. You can get in the portal, but just stay with your team. There's, Play your last game.
3: Yeah, there's there's 15 practices in the spring. That's all there is. Let that be your free age your your big free agency window. Where where you let it be wide open like it is right now. I just I couldn't fathom but, but, any but other But don't sport. you think the
2: coaches that that hate the idea of this craziness in December would also push back against the idea of not having their new players coming through the transfer portal on their campus and in their program
3: during their spring? then you get paid millions of dollars to figure, I mean wh- then what do you want coaches what do you want because you're not going to restrict movement until they have contracts so uh, they're going to be able to move you have to let them move because the courts say you have to let them move so and I guess that's the problem that I
2: have like I don't disagree with necessarily with what Kirby Smart said but what he said is they've got to fix this well who is they one and give me a solution. You're you're in it every single day. So you should have an idea for what would be a more tenable situation than the last month that we've dealt with. But right now, I mean the reason that this is happening willy-nilly, well it's twofold. One, there is zero planning from the NCAA. They allowed NIL and unlimited or transfer portal stuff to happen all at the same time with no regulations on how it should work. So that's that's number 1. And number 2, anytime the NCAA for the last 2 years has said to an NC to a student athlete, nope, you can't do this. The courts have said yes you can. And so I'm all ears for ideas on how we make it better. But when a coach just throws up his hands and he's like, they gotta, they gotta fix this. Okay. Again, who is they? And give me some constructive ideas instead of just this is broken, somebody needs to fix it. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi, bringing it SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. It's been all college football this afternoon, understandably so. We need to talk just a little bit of basketball. We'll do more of that as the week goes along as we get closer to the opening of conference play for Mississippi State and Ole Miss this Saturday. First, though, we'll tell you that Gentile is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Maybe you gave Gentile as a Christmas present this year. Maybe you received Gentile as a Christmas present this year. Regardless, somebody was happy when they unwrapped that package from Gentile. Whether it was a golf shirt or a quarter zip or some of their outerwear, maybe the pants, maybe the shorts. It was, uh, it was all good. Uh, the giving and receiving season is largely over, but the saving season is not. Still, you get free shipping on all orders over one hundred fifty dollars. And you can save 10% on your order just by giving your email address online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad. Uh, Mississippi hey, State on Saturday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Sunday. Sun- or, or, yeah, Sunday so, afternoon. New Year's Eve. Played its final non-conference basketball game. They got the win. They moved to eleven and two on the season, and we saw the return of Tolu Smith.
1: Oh, I thought there was going to be another setup there. I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, I,
2: thought I thought that kind of was thought, the big setup, buddy. I, like I laid out.
1: I, I, a I thought, I they played its final non-conference game. They moved to uh, eleven and two. I thought,
2: they
3: did well.
2: I thought I was gonna Tolu get like a hey, hey, you know hey,
1: what did you, what did you think you know kind of hey, thing? Feeling i feeling the
3: fever right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes, Tolu Smith uh, back and I mean as much as you can say it looked like he never left. It did. It did. You know, came off the bench, didn't get the start uh, for Mississippi State. Only played 19 minutes, but had 16 points and nine rebounds. I mean, okay. that is a pretty good day of work. Uh, for Tolu Smith. Now, honestly, you know Bethune Cookman not playing a, a team that's really going to challenge him, but you would have thought there would have been some rust or something. And he just looked, he looked great. Um, you know, they, I think Mississippi State was kind of wise to to play it the way they did. They didn't want to play him with a minutes restriction. They waited until the doctor said he was he was fully released to play, uh, and and then put him out there. And it was just just the the Tolu Smith. In some ways, the Tolu Smith we had seen before, in terms of you know the the points and the rebounds, but six of seven from the free throw line is not a Tolu Smith we've seen in the past. That's a guy who struggled from the free throw line. He was five of five from the field, though. Uh, like I said those nine rebounds. Um, State was just really good in this game. They shot the ball very well. Uh, they turned the ball over a little bit too much in the first half, and that's why uh, Bethune-Cookman was able to keep it close for for a little while. But once State got got everything under. Uh, Control there as far as that they were able, they they weren't able to stay on the floor with them. Um, and a good way to finish out the, the non-conference, and now you take a few days off, and you'll travel to play a South Carolina team that uh, kind of like Ole Miss has been a surprise uh, through the non-conference. They've been better than advertised thus far, so uh, it's, a, it's a tough road game to start the year. And then I mean, back your your next three game, two games after that are, are Tennessee at home and Alabama at home. So a really tough opening stretch for Mississippi State. Uh, we'll see how they come out of it. But getting Tolu back and him looking the way that he, he did on on Sunday, that's a big, big plus for Mississippi State.
2: Ole Miss also played its final non-conference basketball game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, they had four players in double figures, led by Allen Flanagan with 20. Morrell and Brakefield both had uh, – well, Morrell had 18. Brakefield had 16. And uh, you got ten from Musa Sissay to go along with six rebounds. Jamarian so Sharp, eight points, ten rebounds in the game. Um, Ole Miss did not shoot the ball as well from three on Sunday as they had recently. Six of 17, 35%. percent. We've seen a bunch of games recently where they've been in the you know in that forty-five to fifty percent range from three. That's hard to do. On uh, on a regular basis, but thirty five percent, a little bit below where they've been uh, as a team. Oh, this is a team. They're shooting. They're shooting forty percent from three for the year. Yeah, and that's a good number.
1: That's a
3: that's a good number at the next level. That's a winning number.
1: That's a great number. Yeah, yeah. yeah good's not strong enough. Yeah.
3: And you remember they were really really poor
2: for the first couple of games, maybe first three or four games of the year. From
3: uh, from deep, so, and it's know. not like I mean that number may not last forever, probably won't. But it's not like you've got a couple of guys that are shooting unbelievably well to the point where it's hard to fathom. They take good, like comfortable shots most of the time. Now they're college basketball players. Not every offensive possession is a gem. Don't get me wrong, but they they, they do take smart shots most of the time. They, they, these are. Their offense is not like super explosive. You're not going to get 100 points out of them like you will some teams in the SEC. But they're really good at taking care of the basketball, sharing the ball, not much selfishness, and taking good shots in rhythm. It's a vast difference than what you're used to seeing there. And I think that number is more sustainable than you would expect because of what those looks are like when they're being put up. Well, and how about where they're coming from? Matthew Morrell,
2: forty percent from three. Alan Flanagan, forty percent. Now he's only had twenty-three point attempts. Jalen Murray, forty-six percent from three. Now that might Jay- come
3: down some, but
2: Yeah, probably so. Jamin Brakefield, thirty-six percent, which is okay, but you gotta remember he was at like seven point two percent through about five games. Uh and then you got Brandon Murray at forty percent, and he has only played in four games so far, and he's only come off the bench so far. And you know, TJ Caldwell is at forty-two percent. So there are a bunch of guys that are shooting it well from deep. Look, schedule is about to get a lot harder for Ole Miss. Thirteen and zero, undefeated in non-conference play. That is fantastic. They have set themselves up with not a single bad loss in the non-conference to have a very legitimate chance to make the NCAA
3: tournament in year one of a new head coach. That, yeah. That's what
2: they've set themselves up for.
3: I mean, can you win nine of your next eight team? If they go nine and nine, they're an NCAA tournament team. Yep. Can can you
2: go with nine? Anything better than that is playing for seeding.
3: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I know that they didn't... And the, the net proves it. They didn't exactly play a murderer's row of a non-conference schedule. But... I mean, there's still there's a win against Memphis in there. They're at UCF. There's a dominating win over NC State in there. So it, it, it wasn't all a cakewalk. And the fact that they went through it unscathed is incredibly impressive. Now we're going to... Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, they open
2: conference play at Tennessee. So that's really hard. But after that, they get Florida at home. And Florida's good, but it's a home game. And I would expect that that'll be a pretty good environment. Oh, I'd and then they no get doubt. Vandy at home, and Vandy's terrible. And then they go to Baton Rouge, and is just okay. Go to Auburn, that's a tough assignment. They get Arkansas at home on a Wednesday night. they got to go to College Station, then you get to that first meeting with Mississippi State. It's at home on a Tuesday night. Um, they get Auburn at home. Hey, we're not going to go through the entire schedule. You get the idea. You, you can find nine or ten wins on that SEC schedule no doubt
3: but you got to do it you got to do it and now we're going to get to see their uh their first real adversity now I know they've had it like through the course of games which by the way they started the season you know, they've won all of their games but i mean you guys watched it they struggled to win against bad teams early uh, last few weeks they've just comfortably kind of cruised through the same caliber opponents uh, for whatever that's worth but they haven't played in an atmosphere like this Uh, Not yet. Uh, This team hasn't anyway. Now, Matt Morrell and and Flanagan and these guys have, but as this group, coached by Chris Beard at Ole Miss, they haven't played a road game like this yet, in an atmosphere like that.
2: Uh, I mean, frankly... Oh, no. It's going to be 18,500, 19,000 strong, and it'll be on fire on Saturday. Yeah. And, hey, Dad, I expect that South Carolina will have a
3: really, really good crowd for the league.
2: Should have a really
1: good crowd. You would think so, yeah. And and this will be...
3: the, the. Chris Beard's going to hear it. You, you know he's going to hear it. So they're they're on the road. It, it's the best team they've played so far. We'll see how they respond to it. It's a veteran team, which should help, but this group hadn't been tested yet like they're going to on Saturday. Curious to see how they handle it, and should they lose how they approach Florida on Wednesday.
2: Yeah. It's going to be fun. I mean, we, we have talked about this kind of throughout November and December – you got two teams playing good basketball in Mississippi State and Ole Miss that are going to be fun to watch, that are going to be in the hunt for an NCAA tournament bid, and we're going to get, for the first time in a while, two teams playing, we think, meaningful games in February in college basketball. It's going to be really fun. Hey, Dan, are State fans ready for that?
1: Yes, 100%.
2: We'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
3: Here we go.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi.
2: think we've gotten to the uh, Rose Bowl at all
1: which by the oh, no, way we talked, we talked about it during winners and losers twenty seven
3: point two million people watched that game ESPN was quick to get these numbers out man you never see you never see ratings released as fast as these were so twenty seven point two million people watched the uh, Rose Bowl eighteen point four watched uh Washington, Texas, and don't forget, that was an after-9 o'clock East Coast start. Uh, Mm -hmm. The most-watched New Year's Six games averaged 13.3 million viewers, most since the 2018-19 season, 22.6 million watched the semifinals, most watched in six years. Wow. You got a Peach Bowl number yet? Not yet. They haven't released those. They just did the combination of the New Year's Six total, which, again, the most watched since slash 19
2: I was having a conversation with somebody. So, curious what you guys think about this. You had Ole Miss and Penn State kick off in the Peach Bowl at noon Eastern on ESPN. And then at, what, 2 Eastern, I think it was? The music city bowl with Auburn and Maryland kicked off, but it was on ABC. Is the number going to be comparable for the Ole Miss Penn State game that was on ESPN as to the Auburn Maryland game on ABC simply because of the station it was played on?
3: It's possible. That's why you're you dropping that little that little Tiny little bomb in there about how the Egg Bowl could switch to ABC would be huge for the Egg Bowl, massive. Oh, I, I
2: wasn't suggesting that it would. I was just suggesting that if they wanted to see a
3: significant bump in the number, that's how they could do it, and they would do it. And you, I would not say another word about exposure or lack thereof of the Egg Bowl again if they got it on network, never again. Yeah, because that then that would be worth it.
2: If you are in the market. For a new truck or a new SUV, Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota's got you covered. It's a great sales experience. First of all, you got the best financing race that you've had in a really long time. You got a really good selection of vehicles, including tons of Ford F 150s that are on the lot right now. I drove through the lot three hours ago, three and a half, maybe four hours ago, and was kind of marveling. Hey, dad, at it, all of the F 150s, Bright, shiny, new F-150s that were out there. Kind of got me thinking a little bit. I don't know. Um, but you can uh, you can find great deals end of the year, start of the new year, and uh, good financing available as well. They will they will treat you right. They will take care of you when you visit them. Belt Ford, Oxford, Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Jalen Milrow was not very good yesterday. Nah. We all. Was that a function of Jalen Milrow not being very good, or Michigan's defense being very good, or some combination therein?
1: Michigan played really well. They had a good game plan, and Bama didn't do anything to help Milrow in correcting it. Yeah, but at the same time, I do agree that maybe the lights were a little bright for him there.
2: Sixteen of twenty-three, one hundred sixteen yards, sacked six times, five of those in the first half. Um, there was a lot of negative yardage in there. Jalen Milroe rushed for 112 yards, but he only had a net of 63. 49 yards lost in sacks in the uh, in the game.
3: That that's something that you can take away from this bowl season. Is the, the Big Ten is more than adequate in the trenches. Penn State was elite in the trenches. Ohio State was elite in the trenches, so was Michigan, obviously. The difference, though, with Missouri and and Ole Miss and Ohio State and Penn State was Missouri and Ole Miss were better at the skill spots and especially at quarterback, also better coached. Michigan had the skill players and the quarterback to go along with the, the dominance on the lines of scrimmage. I mean, the way their receivers blocked the edge was really impressive. Not only were they athletic enough, but they were physical, man.
2: A month ago, we were talking about Jalen Milrow as a Heisman Trophy candidate a year from now.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there any the scenario where he's now. not
2: the quarterback for Alabama next year?
1: I think he's – I think he's – I mean – who are they going to get in the portal at this date? I mean, I know they pulled in Buckner real late, but he didn't do anything. And I think that's, there's, there's, some, there's a reason for that. I mean, Archmandy. I don't know who they would pull in at this point. I mean, if they can do that.
2: That would be a fairly impressive get.
1: That was a very weird
3: deal where he got a scrum for 45 minutes while Quinn Ewers sat at his booth with nobody talking to him. That was bizarre.
1: But didn't they? I mean, those guys talk to you. They talk to Ewers every week. They never get to talk to Arch Manning. I get it.
2: Very predictable.
1: Yeah. But
2: isn't it a deal where like all the players show up for the media availability, or did
1: right, right? It was
2: all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, Quinn Ewers had like a booth set up for him. Arch was just sitting in a chair off on the side, and they found him. Thanks for being with us. Fun first show of the year. Glad to be back with you after a little bit of a break. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. We'll do it again tomorrow. For Brian Hayden and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
1: Oh, it's incredible!